0: Hi, and welcome back to the show. Today, I am joined by Spencer Cannon. He is the Vice President of Growth and Partnerships at Buello. Buello has an interesting story, not least its name, which we uh, discuss right at the opening of the podcast, so at least stay for understanding what the name means. Buello is a company built by outsourcing executives focusing on CX, Customer Experience, And they really focus on being the best in the business at that. They really focus on culture. Now, of course, everyone says that they focus on culture, but I really believe that focus has this as a major pillar. Now, what is particularly interesting is that they are based in five countries or six countries, if you include the US. And it's really difficult running culture, yet embracing diversity within one country, but when you do it across six countries, the complexity, I think, multiplies. So we talk about that and we talk about their general approach to CX outsourcing and also about building their own company after being executives within the outsourcing industry. So a great conversation with Spencer. As always, if you're on any of the show notes, go to outsourceaccelerator.com slash podcast. Enjoy. about to start, or somewhere in between, then we can ensure that you get the best from outsourcing. That's the best prices, best terms, and of course, the best results from your offshore operations. The Outsource Accelerator Marketplace now covers over 3,000 outsourcing firms, representing a global workforce of over 5 million people. Also, if you find this podcast interesting or valuable, please share it. We have now produced hundreds of episodes featuring the outsourcing world's most prominent luminaries. Please show your support by sharing this podcast today. So, Spencer, tell me about Buello. Yes. Thank you. Buelo.
1: The word is kind of different. I think there's a lot of folks that they've never heard that word. It's kind of like almost made up. If you're from the United States, it's a very uncommon thing to say. It's, it kind of sounds like grandma in, in Spanish, but it's actually a Tagalog word. We had pri- pre- previous to this company, a, a company called Momentum Data Solutions, which w- w- when you do the translation to buelo, that's what buelo means. It means momentum forward in, in Filipino. And so, when we launched Bueno, we wanted to keep that same company culture of the BPO that we had before, and and that name just stuck and it's becoming widely known around the industry today.
0: Gosh, that you know, I had no idea to be honest. I've lived in the Philippines ten years, and I do not know that word. So that's that's a great learning for me. I would have associated it because you know I know you do nearshoring, so I don't know if it, it had a connection to Bueno, but
1: yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. Different group. Really? And yeah, we're a U.S.-based owned operation with all of our operations are offshore. Kind of funny that we have a foreign name for a U.S.-based operation, but it's worked out well. It's kind of like the word Kinkos. Like, where did they come mm. up with that? Name? But Buelos is really sticking in the industry today now.
0: Yeah, there's a lot of analysis on good names. And I believe it's the ideal. Is it two syllables or three syllables? And then uh, yeah. It's good to have a K in it. And so there's, mm-hmm. there's a certain That's amount correct. of strategy to this stuff. Uh, yeah. Well done. And um, so tell us a little bit about the company behind Buello then. Like you, you say you're from the US. Do you have any agents in the US or you're just headquartered there and where are your main sites? Sure. I, just a little history. Buello it was
1: officially created in 2017. So just a little over five, six years ago. It is the the conglomerate of some of the industry's top outsourcing professionals. We were senior vice presidents of operations at very large BPOs. We've you know we were we were the guys that would go out and build the thousand seat call centers for big brands like Marriott or T Mobile, and we'd open up and and launch from ground floor up high performance contact centers for some of the biggest most respected brands in the world. And we got to see a lot of really interesting things. When you can see 80, 100 call centers all around the globe, you get a really interesting perspective. And you can really start to see what makes some call centers, contact centers, high performance. And you can see what makes them really struggle. And we noticed that the, the highest performing call centers in the world all had one thing in common and that was an incredible company culture and and really low attrition. They had those two things figured out. And so when we went out to to build our own BPO, we said, we're going to focus on those two things, company culture, and we're going to figure out how to create the lowest attrition in the industry. And our theory was, if we could pull that off, we're going to solve a lot of problems that most BPOs face. Moreover, we're going to be able to outperform in ways that A a lot of our competition just could never reach simply because of high attrition. So we went out, we we built uh, a company with that as our core vision and it worked. You know, we are today one of the low attrition leaders, but more importantly, we look at our client retention, whereas a lot of VPOs will shed five, 10% of their clientele every single year, where in the last six years we've only lost a few. We've got a 96% attrition rate over five years in total. And so we look at that as a badge of honor. That's what we've wanted to achieve. We want to be the BPO that we're we're the sure bet. We're your BPO for life kind of thing. And so, so that's what we've built. We, we've got operations all around the globe, primarily in the Philippines. We've got three operations and we've got sites in Ghana, Africa. We've got sites in Portugal, Colombia, and in the Dominican Republic. So, we've got a lot of the major areas. We speak over 15 languages, and we cover twenty four seven, three sixty five. So, we see ourselves as a full service BPO. That is, it's a safe bet. If anyone's ever afraid of, is this going to work? They call us, and it works out.
0: And so what was that transition? Because I've met a lot of outsourcing execs that uh, go out on their own. And then I think they are shocked by the actual transition from the big call centers. You're on your own. You have to build the accounts, but you have everything sort of done for you in terms of facilities and HR and legal and compliance and what yeah. was it like for your transition going from the bigger call center environments to having to literally fend for yourself and build everything from the ground up. That I it's always a lot harder than it seems, yeah?
1: Yeah. Well it is. And and luckily we had what we call a mulligan. And I'll explain that prior to Buelo, we had a BPO that This was kind of our first one that we built together and it worked. We we made the mistake of selling it, which we'll never make again, knock on wood. But we made a lot of our mistakes in that first BPO. And I think you're right. We saw, oh man, we're we're on our own. We got to go make our own dinner, make our own bed in every aspect. We got to be compliant. We've got to check all the boxes to be world-class like we were in our previous lives and it was hard we did make some mistakes um the good thing is when we sold that bpo there was good money that allowed us to go out and relock and load and build something much better we had the money to be world class right out of the gate we had the know-how and that's how we made that transition
0: so right and would you so did you sell with the knowledge that you would then just go and ramp up another one straight away, or did you look around the market and thought, well, it's good to get back in?
1: Yeah, it was more the latter. I, I think I don't think there was a plan to redo what we did, but you can't stay away from this industry. When BPO is in your blood, you, you can't stay away for too long. And so it, it wasn't too long after that it was, hey, let's do this again. Let's do it a lot better, though. Mm. And opportunities came our way where it made it quickly possible, so
0: right right well done and so after working in the corporate working in your own one selling that working in well, building another one then what are the what do you feel is the essential i mean you've mentioned culture but there's a lot more sort of i don't want to dismiss culture but there's a lot more sort of technical requirement other than that yeah is is there anything else or do you think all of that sort of falls into place if you get the culture right
1: Well, I I think it does. Hmm. You know, I think another key to the culture is location. And we can't stress this enough that it's not just about being in the Philippines. It's about being in the right place in the Philippines. It's not just about being in in Europe or Africa. It's being in the right cities where planets align, where you can have that great access to, to, to English and good accents and all of that, but also highly educated You're looking for a culture of hard work and and folks that will show up to work every day and also a a low cost. We've typically found most success in areas where we've just identified this is going to be a low attrition area. And when you can solve attrition, as as I mentioned before, if you can solve attrition, you've Mm -hmm. solved a thousand problems in your contact center. You're all of a sudden far more efficient after a year of working with our clients were far more efficient than even their own internal staff here in the United States because our attrition is so low. And so if we can solve that and we can build that culture of, hey, this is not just my summer job. This isn't just what I'm going to be doing while I'm in college. This is going to be my career where I'm getting free leadership academy training. I'm getting certification that's being paid for by my own company. I can go home to my family every day. I'm not traveling or living in some other city. This is what I do. This is my career. And you start to create those contact centers with that and it. It just creates the magic for you. So, Mm
0: -hmm. And what is the insights in terms of the locations? And is it in the major cities where there's a lot of competition, but a lot of supply? Is it in the provinces where there's not a lot of competition, but also limited supply? Like where are you finding the... The magic that, for me it's that perfect balance in between and so i
1: think you know you're right you you can get into these smaller cities and be the biggest game in town but you can't hire quickly you can't find the right talent and you're always struggling
0: to to scale and and so and so i think in the provinces that they, they, they're they, they don't quite have the sort of you know the 20 years of seasoned yeah kind of agents. professionalism, do they? And it's really kind of hard to get them up to yeah. speed in that regard.
1: Yeah, that's um, that's the balance you got to find. We're in areas that are just outside the major BPO hotspots is what we call them, where right in Manila alone, there's over 700 BPOs competing for the same talent pool. Mm. And we don't want to have anything to do with that, but we're close enough where we can draw people away and we can find that here's the other secret sauce that that we bring to the table is that we almost prefer people that have never worked in a call center before. We've put so much investment into our leadership and our agent development programs where our best performing agents are ones that we built from the ground up. And and we're not unwiring bad habits or expectations of whatnot and so we're building our own we're developing the talent the way we feel it should be developed and it's mm. really worked out well for us it does a little add a little extra time and, and whatnot to get folks up and running but you know after three to six months yeah w- w- we would take our own agents over someone who's had five years experience any day
0: right and now of course we've had covid what's your position in terms of work from home work from office and uh, is it up to the client or do you feel that there is a better approach to that and is it in conflict with the staff's ideals so how do you navigate that
1: you know we navigate it differently in every area of the world going through covid was fascinating we were we're located outside of the major metro areas that that had to be shut down during all of that and so we didn't we weren't affected like many other bpos in that so we were able to remain open 24 7 every day so we never missed a beat w- with our clients and so that that was a bonus it, 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 it there was i'd say we're one of the few bpos that has said no we're staying in office we don't do a hybrid model we that, that's something that our leadership team has said, you know what, Hy- hybrid is great. We can recruit more people that way, but performance suffers. And if we don't feel we can, if we can, if we can perform better in office, that's what, that's our standard and that's what we're going to demand. And we've had no problem recruiting. As long as we keep that culture of family and friends inside of our call centers, we've had no problem finding and retaining good talent. And so that's just the only place we, we don't have an in-center where, where it's work from home is out of our office or our operations in, in Portugal. That is 100% work from home at the moment. That was open during COVID. And we, of course, weren't, out, we, we weren't allowed to build something out at that time. And quite frankly, it's worked out well enough where our, our clients are happy with what we're doing. There, there will be a center there soon, but at this moment at this it's working out well enough. Everywhere else is work, work in office though.
0: It is and you have a lot of locations, don't you? You're in Colombia, you're in Philippines, you're in Ghana. And so can you talk to your decision then to spread wide and far as opposed to sort of concentrate? Because I understand when companies are remote, then you can kind of add people wherever the good candidate happens to be at the time of recruitment. Whereas if you're setting up facilities and having that, you know, significant capex, you've really got to think hard about where you're setting up and then also the capacities of those facilities. So what was your thought process behind sort of spreading far and wide?
1: Well, I, I think the first shop that we opened outside of the Philippines was Colombia. There was just too much need for near shore that we were passing up and we just said, let's just open our own. We know we can fill that shop and we did. It didn't take us very long to just take off and and so that was kind of a no brainer. We we were able to, to to find a really good deal on sites and centers and we had some great good contacts there. The interesting one was Africa. You know, when people think about Africa, they think about South Africa and Johannesburg. And and no one ever thinks about the other cities. And fortunately, we had one of our owners uh, at a previous life used to operate BPO operations out of Accra, Ghana. And he just for from day one, he said, this is an incredible city. It's one of the few African countries where English is the national language. Everyone speaks Mm -hmm. English. And it's that beautiful British accent like yours Derek it it's got some Afrikaans accent to it but it's more of a british tone that that people really enjoy and so when and, and the other thing he said is attrition's going to be super low there costs are going to be low attrition's going to be a fraction of what it is in, in in south africa let's go try it and immediately we realized especially after covid this need to diversify out of the Philippines. Everyone was looking for, Hey, we love the Philippines, but hey, we can't have that happen again. Let's diversify. And Africa was kind of that, that open, unexplored frontier for so many companies. And there's, it's been a fascination for most. And I would say as of today, our operations in Accra are every bit as good and, and, and work and perform every bit as good as our teams in the Philippines and it's just been a great way for our clients to diversify split their volumes and make sure they have redundancy at the same cost it's actually cheaper in in Africa so
0: it's a fascinating argument isn't it like you know do you go with the the leading countries whether that's the Philippines or India but then of course there's huge competition as you say 700 BPOs in Manila or do you go with a sort of emergent economies or industries. And there's pros and cons in that because I assume sort of unemployment levels are a little bit higher. People are more eager for jobs. Costs might be a little bit lower, but then you don't really have the environment, you know, the the ready, welcoming environment and people aren't quite used to it. And so there's pros and cons. Now, Now that you have all of those different sites, do you feel like you have to expand and diversify or would you say, you know, site B absolutely nails it. We're going to put all of our staff there. Because if if one was significantly better than the others, you would assume that you would sort of load up that one. Yeah.
1: Well, you know, listen, the Philippines is the call center capital of the world for a reason. If I said what's our fastest growing and and what's the most desired, I would have to say the Philippines for sure. But, you know, there's needs out of Europe that we're seeing that absolutely love that across in the same time zone and is only a six hour flight out of Heathrow And it's not a a 16-hour flight down to the bottom of Africa to have a good near shore experience. It's very accessible. It's very safe. It's one of the safest countries in all of Africa. And and so I, I think going back to your question is I don't see us needing to expand our footprint any further in the next 18 months. That might always change. But we feel we have what we need. And all of the spaces that we've plugged into have expandability where we can take over another floor or another floor on another mm. floor. And we could be right now in Africa, we have about three or 400 seats filled. We have a thousand seat capacity on the floors that we have. And once that's filled, we can take over another floor. And so we've chosen these spots to be quickly and easily expandable and just taking over another floor lease. And and that's been key. And so I don't see us expanding the footprint much here in the next 15 months, but rather just building out and expanding where we're at.
0: No, it's fascinating insights. And do you, like, what are your insights into each of the countries? Like, do you find that the particular countries are better at certain things and, yeah. you know, and then, so you sort of load those jobs onto to those people, you sort of get a bigger, broader toolkit, do you, as you kind of add different countries?
1: You know what? That is just such a fascinating question. I, you know, <clears throat> the, the, the there are certain things that different areas of the world are good at. I, I, of course, we look at the Philippines as the happiest people on earth. They are so good at customer care that they can't be rattled. They're, they smile through it all. We absolutely love that for that. However, if we have a tech support operate opportunity with a company, our first thought is to go to Africa. And that's normally Mm -hmm. not the last place that people would think that the the talent that we're getting out of Ghana has been spectacular for tech support, things that are a little bit more technical as it would be, we're we're hiring programmers and developers there offering those services at just super low rates and and they are so qualified. Whereas if we look at Columbia and the ability—if if we had a sales opportunity where they're doing outbound or even inbound upselling, no one's better in our footprint that we know of than Colombia. It's just—I don't know—it's just built into their culture. Right. I don't know what, so what the, it
0: is—the Latino aggression, not aggression, but you know, yeah. assertiveness that, that the Philippines sure. kind of lacks in a way. Yeah,
1: yeah they're just so good at it. so our our best sales happen out of so yeah. I, I look at the different gifts and talents that are spread all around the world. And what a privilege, what a privilege it is for us here in, in nations that have so much opportunity for for us to be a part of spreading opportunity where talent has been spread evenly around the world. For us to be able to spread that opportunity is really one of the greatest parts of my career and, and the greatest parts of my job, Derek. It's just, it, it brings me joy to, to think that a lot of these jobs, these, maybe these call center jobs that are so hard to fill in the U S because maybe so no one wants them or it's hard to fill them here, but mm. I've got lines of people in these other countries that are so grateful to show up to work and they'll drive a, an hour to work to, to do these functions. It's really special.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And the, I mean the, the nature of call centers evolving as well, isn't it? You know, it's not, it, it's actually getting highly sophisticated, very complex, and as you say, if there is tech support, and there, there can be really, really engaging jobs now. So the whole kind of the whole thing's changing, isn't it? And oh, as you yeah. say, like it, it's just incredible that you can almost pick from a smorgasbord of, of countries and cultures and capabilities, giving every one of those an opportunity to contribute to the US or, or sort of Western economic activity. It's yeah. really powerful, isn't
1: it? Yeah, it, it really is. It's, you know, in days gone by, it was a political thing. Yeah. Outsourcing or taking jobs from the U.S. and moving them offshore is what it, it, it only strengthens the U.S. It only strengthens U.S. companies. It only makes them more profitable. It's, it's, it's what helps them grow and, mm. and provide higher level jobs for, for people all around the globe. And so outsourcing has been such a blessing to economies all around the globe.
0: Especially, (laughs) I think there's it's vague. It's vague, isn't it? Because critics of offshoring, you know, they say that you're taking jobs, but are you really? And then they say, well, it's actually unethical. It's slave labor, and it's like, well, actually, it's not. It's providing incredible opportunities. And I I think the criticisms move around, but it's they're just so unfounded on every level, aren't they? Because it's providing incredible opportunities, and then it's to the destination countries, and then it's providing incredible sort of economic engine for the west to do things efficiently it's just a win-win but it's difficult to kind of present that whole argument to people isn't it yeah
1: yeah yeah for sure and you know listen if you took outsourcing out of the equation and brought everything back to the u.s we would fall to pieces would unravel like a cheap sweater Uh, our whole economy it's so founded on the support and the talent and the gifts from people from every country to supporting the the corporate efforts of companies all around the globe. So it's a global effort. So the world is flat now, like it or not.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And increasingly intermingled and globalized. Like there's there's no going back. Absolutely. Yeah. And in terms of culture, that is a sort of central part of Buelo. How do you manage culture when there are significant different cultures? You know, they talk about diversity and inclusion within the US framework, for example, but when you're dealing with literally five or six different countries and then the different sort of characteristics, communication patterns, and, and routines. How, how do you aim towards one sort of homogenous culture or do you embrace five or six different cultures? How do you kind of work that into things?
1: Well, that's a great question. It's something we're still trying to solve. You know, the culture that we have are so proud of that, that we've built in the Philippines, our operations there, we've got this legendary uh, name and in, in in our area, this is a great place to work. The, the 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 techniques practices that we've used there may or may not work in Colombia or in Africa or in in Portugal. They they, they may not they, they might have different needs, is what I'm saying. And so all across, at minimum, however, all of our agents, there's profit sharing plans, there's health care, there's all the great benefits that should be. in in a contact center environment in 2023. And we provide all of those. That's a minimum. One of the great things about Boilo is that we're a debt-free company. We don't have a a, a domestic infrastructure that oftentimes is subsidized by offshore margins, as other BPOs have to do. So we don't have that infrastructure, that overhead. We're debt-free. We don't have loans and we don't have these investors and parent companies to to take care of. So we can offer our agents a higher wage, a very competitive wage and sign-on bonuses and bonuses after 90 days and six months and a year and it just keeps going up. Another fundamental component to our culture is a pay for performance model, a compensation structure. And so all of our agents have bonuses and 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 and, and their pay is directly tied to not only their performance, but to performance of each of our clients. So if our clients have certain SLAs that they want us to hit, we will custom make their their, their compensation structure to be directly aligned with our clients, which is it's that's kind of a no-brainer that makes sure those agents are hyper-focused on making sure that client is taken care of. And their paychecks, if they're hitting their numbers, their paychecks start to go up and up. Uh, the non-performance, the, the, the non-performers will self-attrite, and the high performances, high performers, they stick around. And so that that's something they love. It attracts the people we want to be working with. And so that, I think that's been a big big core of who we are. Of course, all the great parties. One other thing I think that we focus on. We have found that sticking around with a a company and uh, you know, anyone here in the U S listening to this can attest to this, that it's not so much the pay that's keeping you around. It's not so much the benefits, but studies have shown that if that employee has just one friend at work, their chance of attracting drops significantly. And so we've made it. We've made it a big part of our company to make sure everyone feels like they're part of the family, that everyone's being watched over, people aren't being missed, everyone's part of a friend group, and it truly feels like this is my family. This is my my this is my family away from home, and I love being here. And I think that in office work in office culture fosters that, and especially in these Filipinos love to be together. I you know that. And I'm sure that's work from home has been hard for a lot of them. And so we,
0: we've, yeah, found. it's difficult, isn't it? And often I think the, like the best things in life are not the easiest things in life. And people would often prefer or think they would prefer to stay at home, not commute. Um, but it leads to isolation and you lose the benefits of of that, those water cooler moments and your colleagues and things like that I, I see it as a major major concern going forward if we zoom ahead 10 20 years yeah we have, there's a whole sort of generation of people that have had conducted their entire careers from their bed from yeah. their laptop you know i do worry about that but but it's hard isn't it you know and maybe your strategy again is much better because one of the major issues is the commute time in metro manila but if you are outside of metro manila then that can eradicate a lot of that uh, commute yeah. time. So it's about being sort of, it's being sensitive to the employee's needs, but also I think it's about like laying down the expectations and standards, isn't it? Otherwise, people would just all want to work from a hammock, you know, on a beach, and and that's not reality, kind of thing.
1: No, no, and that gets old, you know. Um, I, I I think we all love that camaraderie and those water cool moments. So. We're good at creating yes. those too. We, we make sure everyone is included in, in in team meetings, and I should say team parties and team events outside of work as well. They're really good at doing that.
0: So, and as a company, then you just focus on customer service, CX. Like you, and I assume you mentioned all of the execs with the vast experience starting Boello. um, uh, all did that previously. Do you expand into other sectors or staff augmentation or other aspects, or you just stay in that lane and become the CX experts?
1: Yeah, I'd say 90 plus percent of what we do is customer care related, call center related, contact center related. Is it anything that's customer facing, whether it's order processing, general care, tech support, even the sales support that that's really mostly what we do. And then the other 10% is, you know, highly sophisticated niche book back office work, which mm-hmm. we absolutely love. It's, mm-hmm. you know, the more niche, the work we just really, we, we really thrive on that. It's, it's stuff that most BPOs will turn away. And that's just not our model. We love to just dive in because those, those type of engagements are customers for life. If you can solve their problem, they're not going to leave. You give them a good, fair, solid pro- solution to what they're trying to solve. And man, that, that's just revenue for forever. And so we'd love those partnerships. But yeah, I would say we, we are kind of delving into some new lines of business as it relates to offshore software development and programming and support in that regard. And that's starting to, to be a good thing. But yeah, outside of that, that's really what we do. It's just kind of your traditional full service BPO. Hirus will put together a team of agents that's going to be fully dedicated to you and your company. They're going to eat, sleep, and breathe your company culture, your mission, your values. They're not going to be shared with any other client out there. And they're going to be a part of your – they're going to be a a virtual extension of your team here in the U.S. or in Europe.
0: And it it works. In terms of pricing, the the typical call center model is an all-in pricing, all-in sort of by hour typically – How does that work in terms of the selection of staff? There's, I assume there's significant price differences maybe between a Columbia option and a Ghana option. And so is it then up to the client to sort of decide that or can you allocate staffing depending on the requirement?
1: Yeah, you know, our pricing is pretty simple. I mean, we can get dynamic with it if really required. We pitch an hourly rate that's all-inclusive A a rate that includes all supervisors, team leads, QA agents, workstations, fees, all of that is just bundled into one single hourly rate. So if you had 10 productive agents, you're going to get billed for their total hours at the end of the month. And that's it. Nothing else will appear on your invoice. And people really like that. Now, so comparing the different rates, you know, in in the Philippines, we're probably pretty middle of the road when it comes to our, our rates. In in Colombia it's probably about a buck fifty, about two bucks, maybe a buck fifty more an hour, and that's it. And Ghana is slightly less, maybe about fifty cents less per hour, and that's kind of where we are. Of course, when we talk Portugal, we're in that twenty to twenty five dollar an hour range for good English, good French, good Spanish, and nearly every other language in Europe, and so that's where we come in.
0: Got it. And then I suppose we can. Round off on the last but really critical question for this sector, I suppose. Everyone's talking about AI, everyone's talking about automation. You even get like very human sounding, but not completely human sounding AI bots now making phone calls outbound or inbound. Where do you see all of that heading? And as a company, are you embracing, you know, but what happens if you embrace so much that it leads to you know you only need one staff member to do this instead of a hundred so what, what are your thoughts on the ai race
1: you know everyone's watching it every bpo has just got their eyes on it here's our philosophy on it we are a customer experience company and if there's a technology out there that will enhance it we will embrace it if there is a technology that our clients are asking for or, or, or want to explore with them listen we'll try it but we'll hey listen this is going to hurt your customer experience. And just be aware that the best companies in the world have figured out the customer experience. That They're the leaders. You could have a very mediocre product, but if you've got a great customer experience, you're going to win your industry, vice versa. If you could have the most superior product, but if you've got a lackluster customer experience and some bot is taking care of you, you're inevitably going to miss out on revenue. We we see customers like water. When water flows from the top of a mountain down to the, the sea, what path does it take? It takes the path of least resistant, the most delightful, easy path that it can take. And customers are just like that. And if you can build that customer experience that's the easiest, the the the, the, the most effortless, you're going to get the river of revenue and that just apple has proven that amazon has proven that so going back to your question derek if someone has or, or is requesting some automation we just say hey, just watch your customer experience if it makes it better let's do it and if it if it drops our headcount count from 100 down to 15 that's what we want and we're going to help them do that because we're a customer experience
0: company first i hope that answers your question No, it's interesting isn't it but you know that that Will, do you think eventually the outsourcing industry would have to evolve its pricing to a sort of solutions-based pricing as opposed to a man-hour-based pricing? Because if it did eradicate all man-hours, but you're providing the solution, you know, it it would sort of require a different compensation. And the reason why I sort of dwell on this is because there's this conversation in the SaaS community at the moment where, you know, whether it's Salesforce or notion, you know, all of these are being sold per per person per seat, but they're kind of building technology where you might not need the people. (laughs) So there's no longer going to be the per seat license fee. And so there, even the SASs, which are historically a per seat per person per month license fee, they're having to rethink how do we price this, which is really... It's fascinating to see, right? It it is. And those changes
1: are inevitably going to come to certain industries and cell service is obviously going to continue to just rapidly move on. However, and and this is why we see a, a really bright future for BPOs is that there is there's this AI movement that everyone's watching and the automation movement. But there's also the data that shows that people need humans more now than ever. There's more loneliness, there's more lack of connectivity, and we believe that the human element is, is going to be key in the future in, in, mm. in the customer experience. And as that loneliness factor goes up, I think the need of human and human connection is still going to be the pinnacle of, of the CX. And a lot of mediocre companies will roll into AI and, and they'll do fine. I truly believe the best customer experience are going to be human-led, AI-powered, and, and, and humans are going to be able to do a lot more. Uh, they're going to be empowered by some really cool tools over the next decade. I don't think they're going to be replaced at, at the way that I think a lot of people are predicting.
0: Mm-hmm. No, I tend to agree. It's, it's. I'm an AI optimist. That- so, thank you so much. Really incredible, incredible journey for Boello and and incredible to get your insights on. Uh, culture, but also as it, as it relates to literally multiple cultures across sort of multiple countries, it's not just sort of easy to say, to do these things. It's actually much harder. So congratulations on all of that. As always, I encourage people to reach out, have a conversation and see how it can impact their business. How do they get in touch? How do they learn more? The best way to get a hold of us is
1: boilo.com. My name is Spencer, Candace, is Spencer Cannon, so it's just Spencer C-A-N-N-O-N, at Buelo.com. Uh, you can also reach me on our main line at 801-518-0900 here in the U.S. Uh, you can also see us on LinkedIn. So, yeah, we love, we, we love our social community as well. So find us
0: on, on Facebook and Instagram. That was Spencer Cannon of Buelo. As always, if you want any of the show notes, go to outsourceaccelerator.com slash podcast. And if you want to ask us anything, then just drop us an email to ask at outsourceaccelerator.com. See you next time.